0: Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott, and welcome to this episode of The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 8 Poker, a podcast that aims to introduce all of us to the players that we already know so well, but in a totally new way. Now, despite the serious poker chops of my guests this time, we are not doing strategy here. This is about getting to know the people behind the cards. The format is pretty set. We use a modified set of some questions developed by psychologists 25 years ago to see if they could get total strangers to ask them of each other and fall in love. Now I've shortened the list and updated some of them, but otherwise let's find out if this is a shortcut to getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. My guest today is super high roller and longtime tournament pro Jason Kuhn. Now he might just be the most impressive poker player out there without a World Series bracelet. He's ranked ninth in the world on Hendon Mob with over $31 million in live caches and has a slew of wins online and live. He is no doubt a truly remarkable player, but I think what I find most interesting about Jason is his mindset. He's incredibly analytical. He's been very open about his own path to success and what he thinks it takes to get there from the mechanics of his poker game and how different the top tier game is to the rest of poker, to the physical, psychological, and emotional balance it takes not just to win, but to stay a winner and also a healthy winner at that, which seems to be very important to him and something I really respect. So thank you for doing this, Jason. I know that you're very busy.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: Hmm. Well, you're in Vancouver, right? Um, So how has that been for you and your wife, Bianca, during this bizarre year of the virus?
1: We love it up here. Um,
0: Yeah?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've been here on and off since 2011, since right after Black Friday, and it's just uh, a second home to us. So Mm -hmm. we... uh, I stole her from Manhattan, so I'm a little more into the nature and slow life. She's a little more into the urban life, so it's it's a nice compromise.
0: Yeah, it sounds like Vancouver is the perfect spot for you, and Canada has had an easier time with the virus and the quarantine and everything.
1: That is correct. They uh, they're pretty strict about things, though. They they lock you up for 14 days, basically, if you go anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine. At- yeah, I've heard a lot of the same things from my parents and from my, my you know, my brother and my sister and all my family are still over there as well. But what's your experience of it been like personally? Um, how have you guys dealt with the last, you know, five months of the world kind of being upside down?
1: Well, it's it's been kind of strange. I mean, but more from just observation for me because my life uh as a poker player it's not strange to me to just Mm. be locked inside and play on the internet or or play on apps or just not leave my house for three weeks or a month (laughs) that's just kind of normal life for me sometimes you know without the last three to five years been a lot more international travel for me and Mm -hmm. that's certainly strange but I still play poker with the same guys you know so so for me (laughs) just from like a selfish standpoint it's it's been okay because I can Mm -hmm. work out at home. I can, um, take my walks. I can still get all the action that I want if that's what I want. And, um, hanging out more with, with Bianca and cooking at home and, uh, eating the way that we want to eat, living the way that we want to live is just, um, Mm -hmm. I'm really fortunate in that regard that I, I don't really have to leave home to get 95% of the things that I need to be a happy person, you know, the other 5% being family and social time are lacking and I'm really itching for that. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's the introverted poker player. uh, This hasn't been as bad as it's been for almost everyone else.
0: Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of poker players. I think that because we can do our jobs at home for a lot of people, at least depending on where their home is. Um, And we are used to the isolation in some ways. So, you know, we may have gotten off a little easier than some other people in quarantine. Uh, What would you think, or is there anything that this has all kind of taught you? Or is there any skill or any sort of lesson that you've learned that you want to carry forward when this is all over?
1: Well, one thing is I've taken, I've been kind of bored at times and... Mm. It's actually ended up being great um, because I managed to dust off this old guitar that I have that I, I never learned to play, and I started trying oh, to Oh, wow. To, yeah, I started learning to try to play that. I've um, Rather than playing like 80 hours of poker a week, um, I've been cooking a lot more, which I've mm-hmm. always been really passionate about. So there's there have been a few things that I've taken a lot more, I guess, me time, um, mm-hmm. then I've taken in the last four or five years and uh, it's just kind of come from things slowing down. And I've been in such a habit of being like, for me, like maximum grinder, specifically mm-hmm. the last five years. I, I, I couldn't tell you with a combination of study and poker work, I have, um, never had a vacation with my wow. wife that had, that hasn't been poker related ever.
0: Ah, uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, you're talking a slow week for me would have been 50 hours and a Mm -hmm. normal week would have been closer to that 70, 80 hours a week. And, um, just for things to kind of slow down and me to take a deep breath and realize how really tired I actually was. And, and you just find yourself in these kind of tunnels, uh, and you don't really think much about it. You just live your life the way that you've set it up and, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes something to really rattle that for you to kind of step out and look around and be like, "Holy crap I was really I was really in there doing this thing without even realizing it you know I was sacrificing mm-hmm. a lot um, without really thinking about the sacrifice
0: yeah, okay, well, it's a good place to start actually with um the official questions the first one being what is a perfect day for you so kind of knowing what you know now about what you do and how you spend your time what would be perfect
1: um well i i do love uh, you know i love the career that i have and i uh, so there would be two types of days i guess and both of them mm. could be considered perfect there would be the day where i don't do anything work related and it would be a slow wake up and i we don't eat breakfast so it would be more just kind of getting outside and uh, taking a walk, breathing fresh air, just feeling slow, not feeling mm. um, like I, I, I very, very quickly can become overwhelmed with seeing what's in front of me for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so not necessarily um, putting too much thought into what's in front of me and just, yeah, having a present morning and enjoying what's around me and um, but the perfect day would just be breathing fresh air and, and spending time with loved ones. Um, you know, lately I've been into board games. I don't think there's much more fun than just sitting around having nice. a drink and yeah, playing, playing board games with your friends or their kids or, yeah. um, so just being around people that I really, uh, love and, and enjoy mm-hmm. and being in nature and also being around a mix of people. I think like being around really young kids and being around older mm. people and peers. Um, I, I like being around lots of different age groups because there's so much uh, variance in the way that people approach life or um, see the world. And like, I love seeing a kid's innocence or I love hearing the wisdom of someone who's older than me. And mm-hmm. um, so a perfect day, I guess would be kind of a communal thing of um, being somewhere in nature and hanging out with uh, a large group of friends and family.
0: Nice. Well, how about music? Is music part of your everyday life? How important is it to you?
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely love m- music. Mm. And um, for me, um, I've, for the last, say, well, forever, I've been trying to get a grip on my emotions due to, you know, the kind of well-documented childhood trauma that I, I went through. Um, mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of work on that in the last... uh Specifically, six or seven years, um, and one thing that I've I've learned is the emotional swings that music can take you through is is a really good way to kind of find equilibrium. Like if you listen mm-hmm. to really sad music for a while, like like I know a lot of people they're like, oh, I don't want to watch a sad TV show or I don't want to listen to a sad song because why would mm-hmm. I want to feel sad? Um, but the truth of it is is if you practice kind of being in those like little temperate zones, little emotional yes. points uh, throughout the day, you kind of recover from it and you're left with a feeling of presence. Mm-hmm. Like you're, and so I, I kind of like that as like an emotional practice to keep myself regulated. Um, mm-hmm. I think it helps me deal with, deal with real things um, much more efficiently. So, right. you know, not, not, I'm also just passionate about music. I really, really into, into it as a wedding gift, Eric Seidel and a bunch of my friends actually pitched in and got us this really great set of speakers. And there's, hmm. there's, yeah, I get so much joy out of just listening, finding some old track and listening to it on these speakers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Music can bring up so many different emotions. And I like the way that you said that about, um, getting used to that, though getting used to it in small ways in the day. It feels like something that I've kind of worked on for the last, you know, 15 years is all of our emotions are, they're friendly, like we Mm -hmm. shouldn't be scared of them. And it's about kind of being able to go, yeah, I recognize, you know, there's some whatever sadness or fear or anger or this or that and kind of giving it space and allowing it to be there rather than spending all of our energy to like shove them away (laughs) and get rid of them. Exactly,
1: yeah. It's meditative in that sense. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. One of the presents that I got for my husband that I um, that I love, that I'm most proud of, it's actually two gifts. I got him an old, um, uh, a phonograph speaker from Ooh. a really long time ago. Yeah, but they built a Bluetooth uh, recorder into it or a receiver into it so you can link it to your phone. And it makes everything sound like it's coming through a phonograph, which is pretty cool. And also a record player because yeah, music is just such a an important way for a lot of people, me too, just to... I don't know, to process things, to feel things, to remember things. So tied to memory as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. Well, how about this question? Um, What would the person who knows you best say is one of your most annoying habits?
1: Well, that would certainly be my wife. Um, (laughs) And most annoying habits, it would have to be... I don't know if it's like a, a debilitating thing, if, if it was something I was born with or if it was something that I've just built from the habit of being in kind of this competitive realm, but mm-hmm. I am the worst multitasker. Like, like, <laughs> like to the point where it's, it's straight up sometimes looks like I have a disability. Like I will, I will, my mind will go somewhere and I will just dump my drink on my chest. <laughs> or i will or i will just be like driving a car and just like forget i'm driving a car sometimes oh, like that uh, yeah dangerous. so it's it's not good yeah it's not good so <laughs> i i think it would be that that tunnel vision that i have of just mm-hmm. kind of checking out
0: hmm do you think that's part of what makes you so good at poker uh,
1: you know i i have spent a lot of time in my life wondering how mm. i got good at poker because <laughs> really? it doesn't yeah because you know i i i feel like other than the people that i'm surrounded by and the work ethic and my competitive drive that i have is is certainly all of
0: these things are huge by the yeah, way <laughs> yeah, very
1: very huge and and <laughs> and and i'm certainly like an intelligent guy but for yeah. the the level that i play at it's just i'm surrounded by superheroes you know
0: hmm. yeah.
1: and i've just wondered like how did i how did i do this and there is something. I, I think the only way that I, I did it. Sure, I have a baseline intelligence that's good enough to compete at the highest levels, but mm-hmm. it was just this this undying hunger is really the the mm-hmm. key. The the it's just the key. Like it's almost like um, I didn't even choose it. Like Hmm. it's like I just had this thing built inside of me. And like you can look at a person and be like, wow, I really respect their work ethic and I really respect their drive and like the sacrifices that they made to get to this level of competition. But to be honest, whenever I think about it, it's not really noble because I'm not even driving the ship. It was just inside of me. Mm hmm. And I almost didn't have any other choice given the way that I'm structured mentally. Like, it it was just, that's just the way it was going to be for me.
0: Right. Wow. What does it feel like when you hear someone, uh, like, introduce you as, you know, like, the ninth on Hendon Mob in the entire world, the incredible array of, you know, of what you've done? What does it feel like to sit there and listen to someone introduce you like that?
1: Um... Well, you, I, the thing I was thinking about actually, as you were doing it, and I was like, man, she's so incredibly smooth. You're, I can't believe you can do all this on, on one take. I mean, you ah. just like, you just like, all right, I'm going to do this intro, take a deep breath and just nail like a 90 second <laughs> intro. I would have had to done 40 takes. That's what I was actually thinking today. when okay. I Okay.
0: You're but deflecting. No, no, <laughs> no. praise. Oh, yeah. But, um. But thank you.
1: Yeah. It's amazing talent. But with the, um, I think it's just a testament of I've been around, you know, it's Mm -hmm. uh, been doing it a long time. And, um, that's a really cool statistic, uh, but I think it's more, I it's more of a result of the fact that I play monster stakes and that, Mm -hmm. that was the avenue that I chose as my career. Like, like whenever I first started playing poker in university, I, the second I realized I could win, I opened up the highest stakes lobbies. And I was just like, man, I can't wait to play against those guys. It wasn't mm-hmm. like uh, I didn't think about winning at one, too. I, I, I was like, I can't wait to play the biggest games in huh. the world. You know, yeah. and that was like a weekend of my poker career. So it was just yeah. always kind of on the table for me. I didn't know if I could ever do it. Um, but once I realized that uh, there was a way through work and exposure to the right ways to learn. Um, Mm. It was just a matter of time until I started playing the highest stakes. And then, um, yeah, now I play the highest stakes. And if I play a lot and I play the highest stakes, sure, I'm going to be one of the highest earners. I think the thing that means the most to me is that I've actually won at all the games, not necessarily earned the most, but I've I've won Mm -hmm. at almost every single game Thing that I'd tried to, I tried to—I won't say specialize in because sure, I guess I would be a tournament specialist, but I've also played a ton of you know cash games, live cash right. games, short yeah. deck, short deck cash games, and um, a lot of that has kind of put the bread uh, right on the table for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, that's the thing that I'm the most proud of is somehow these the people that I I won't say idolize but admire the most. I, I've had the pleasure of competing with and winning in the games. So, Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, Um, well, this next question, uh, I actually hesitate to ask you this next question because you've already mentioned it. You've spoken publicly about growing up with domestic violence and the long-term effects, and it's just one piece of your story. And although I think it's incredibly strong uh, and it makes it so much easier for other people who've grown up with these kinds of pain or betrayal in their childhood to feel normal when they hear someone like you talk about it, I also don't want you to feel like every interview you do now asks you about it. Mm. I hope that makes sense. Um, so you can answer yeah, this in any that. way you. Yeah, yeah, because you're much more, you know, multifaceted and much more than that. But the question is this, and if you don't want to answer it, or if you want to answer it another way, feel free. Uh, if you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be?
1: Well, that's an interesting question because I really, really love my life now. Really mm-hmm. love it, and um, and I really like who I am. I, yeah. I really do. And now, you know, I my I have a great relationship with my mother. I have a fantastic marriage, and um, my brother's doing great. And there, there are a lot of things that came out of that uh, hellscape that are now just like I, I really wouldn't want them to be any different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't. Sure, I guess I would say like, you know, I wish all of my innocence wasn't stolen. I wish I got to feel like a kid more. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I didn't have all this damn baggage that I now have to unpack and and figure out. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that I would want to change the most about my childhood would be actually the the pain that I had to see – um, my, my mother and my siblings go through. My sister still hasn't been able to recover from that. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just like all the pain that I had to witness others go through other really good people. And, um, I wish there was a way that I could er erase that and, you know, you'll never Mm -hmm. be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I think, and yeah, you can never do that for other people, but it does really make a difference when, you know, someone like you—someone people look up to—who's, you know, incredibly articulate about how they feel and what they want, and who is immensely successful in their chosen field, plus in their relationships. Being able to hear someone like you talk about it can be really freeing, I think, for a lot of other people. Um, yeah, there are a lot of people. Uh, you know, I didn't have the the happiest childhood myself, and uh, not being able to talk about that publicly can be strange and hearing someone like you do it is, I don't know, there's something very special about it. So I, I appreciate that you have, but I also reiterate that, uh, it's your personal life. So you don't have to, um, the next question is when did you last sing to yourself or someone else?
1: Oh, I sing every day all the time. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not a good singer, but I sing all the time.
0: It's about the heart. It's not about the tune.
1: <laughs> yeah. My, uh, uh, wife has a hilarious video where she's like hiding behind a curtain in her house and I'm like walking out singing this, like singing horribly of this country song and she just <laughs> scares the shit out of me. And it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty <laughs> classic video.
0: Oh man. Okay. We're on to the second set of questions now. Um, this one is if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about Absolutely anything, your life, your future, something that happened, what hand someone had, <laughs> what would you want to know? What one thing would you ask?
1: Mm. Um, I guess the uh the answer to creation would be pretty cool
0: mm-hmm, yeah,
1: blow your mind, but maybe that,
0: yeah. I feel like that's one of those answers that would take you so long that you'd be like, really? (laughs) It's going to take this long. It's the rest of my life. Okay, great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What do you value most in a friendship?
1: Um, Man, I have – that's my strongest skill set for sure Hmm. is I've surrounded myself with the best people. I I can't explain it, but I'm uncanny at identifying people that, i will match well Mm with um and identifying people that i won't so there isn't that much wasted time like i'm
0: uh
1: really friendly with hundreds of people um but i'm my circle of friends that i communicate with regularly there's no more than 12 people Mm um so uh one more. Can you uh, ask me the question again? I want yeah, absolutely.
0: Answer. What do you value? What do you value most in a friendship? Uh,
1: oh, yeah. So uh, reliability is huge. Um, mm. Just I think that since I lacked uh, that kind of security and um, solidarity in, in, in my home, that for me to know now that my friend will be there, you know, if, mm-hmm. if hey I, hey, I need you. And no questions asked, they're going to be there for me. That's that's kind of the biggest thing I think. Like that loyalty. Um, we can all have our flaws, but there's nothing like just knowing inside of your heart this person is going to be there when the shit hits the fan, and and right. that you know, and they're they're going to be honest with me. They're going to be so that reliability, um, honesty. Those are the biggest things. Mm -hmm. just, you know what you're going to get with them. And on top of that, they're going to be around.
0: Yeah. Do your closest friends tend to be the people that you've known for a long time? Are they from inside poker, outside of poker?
1: My, I have, I I couldn't say who my closest friend is. Um, I have one friend from back home who's without a doubt just he's been there for me since I was like 16 years old Mm. and his family's been there for me. Um, but also, you know, uh, my new age, like kind of post black Friday friends, uh, Ben tolerating and David Benefield. Mm. Um, those, you know, those are some of my newer friends. Then I have some older poker friends like, uh, Seth Davies and Nick Ramponi and guys like that, that are
0: Right. right
1: there too, who I couldn't say who my best friend was, but, um, uh, yeah, I have uh, equal amounts of love for lots of people that I've met. And I don't have any brand new friends. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have some friends from the 90s. And I have a lot of friends (laughs) that I met in uh, 2010 or so.
0: Yeah, it's hard to make friends right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just okay with it. I mean, I think that's what happens, right? You get you get a little older, and you're just like, I know who I can count on and I don't Mm. have that many hours in the day and I don't have that much energy and you stop seeking for things from people too, you know, like I was projecting like all through my twenties, I was just kind of like, Hey, will somebody like make me feel good about myself or whatever, you Mm. know, just projecting and inviting people into my life that I shouldn't have been. And then Mm. once you become more comfortable with who you are, you just know what you want and. There's not really a desire to acquire a bunch of new relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can get harder as we get older, but it also, like you're saying, it's not that it's less relevant, but maybe we're a lot more choosy, definitely more choosy. <laughs> yeah. I'll more be honest choosy. though, <laughs> I could use a few more friends here. I, I moved to Italy pretty much right before the quarantine hit. It's been... Mm quiet. It's been really quiet. Oh, Thank yeah. goodness for the internet. Although, I mean, I've said this a million times on the podcast, but the internet here is the worst. I'm <laughs> actually pirating and it like Wi-Fi signal right now. I'm hiding in a room. It's <laughs> just so I can do this podcast oh and goodness. do my job and I can only do it like uh, every couple of weeks, maybe once. So yeah, it's been, yeah, that's one thing I've missed through the the quarantine and the virus and the whole situation is being able to talk to my friends a lot better and see Mm -hmm. them face to face. Because for me, a lot of poker was being able to travel and see people. So yeah. Anyways. All right. So another question here, what is your most treasured memory?
1: Man. Wow. Um, as I kind kid, of want to take
0: your wedding out. Oh, good, because I was going to say, I'm going to take the wedding right out of there because that's a beautiful day, but it's too easy. Y-
1: yeah, I was. I instantly tried to take out all the kind of cliche mm-hmm. cliche ones. Um, no, I think uh, I wouldn't – I don't know if this is my most treasured memory, but I have a collection of memories. As as a child, I had a, two dogs, and I would fish this lake that was about a half a mile from my home. I'd fish it about 300 mm. days a year. And I would just be by myself. I'd walk through the woods with my fishing poles and I'd find Mm -hmm. these, I, this was a big lake and I just knew it inside and out and I'd have my two dogs with me and they would always just sit right with me. And no matter where I went, they were with me and I I would Mm -hmm. just fish and sit there for hours and think. Um, so there was a lot of silence, uh, and, and peace. And I, I think that whenever I close my eyes at night, whenever I'm say anxious or I can't sleep, I know that. The images in my head where my mind goes to is me sitting on a lake with my dogs.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's a really lovely image. I think when you said that we had a sort of a similar upbringing in the fact that we're both kind of country kids, uh, mine would be pretty much the same. Uh, mm. I grew up on a, it was a farm, but it was more like a, it wasn't a commercial farm. Like we ate the things that we grew and we had oh. one cow that we milked and we had chickens that were for our eggs and we would trade as well and barter with neighbors and you know they could have some eggs and we'd get whatever some butter um but we'd make our own butter too it was all it was all pretty basic oh, but yeah it was an interesting way <laughs> to grow up Sounds. Amazing. and there's a lot of value yeah there's a, a hell of a lot of value in it for sure mm-hmm. for sure for sure but I think one of my most treasured memories is very similar to yours. And it just kind of brought it back to me when you said that would be just walking through. We kind of cut pathways through the forest because even though we had a farm, we didn't have a, like we didn't do grain. It was all animals. Mm. So I, you know, passed through the forest sitting under a tree, that kind of silence, having the dogs around and just for me would be reading a book I would I read like. Way above my age level. And I just read Uh, voraciously, just sitting quiet reading. There's something quite beautiful about that. And yeah, yeah, uh, you're like, nothing more peaceful. Yeah, it it sounds very similar. Um, Okay, here's another question. If you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way that you're living now?
1: Yeah, certainly. I would just be a full time friend and And Mm -hmm. brother and son and I I would be you know every day all out just spending as much time with loved ones as I could.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And then the last question in this middle set is: How do you feel about the relationship with your mother? And you've already said you guys have a great relationship.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a normal relationship, um, but I'm very blessed to have it. Um, You know, I've become more of a I won't say caretaker, but you know, I look after my mom, and mm-hmm. she looked after me the most as a kid, and she instilled uh, confidence in me, and she made so many sacrifices. You know, I just think about we would go to her mother's um, for Christmas every year, and whatever gifts that her family would give her, I just know that she would be at the the store the next day returning them and and <laughs> getting us kids something with the gifts that she got us, you know? right? Um, And there was just so much sacrifice in her life made for us. And um, I have so much respect and love for her for that. And it's nice that the one thing that she didn't have was stability Mm -hmm. um, ever. And now she has a stable life and she's like an entirely different person. So it's, you know, I I used to think, oh man, my mom can be pretty strung out and anxious. And, and Mm. I was like, and then the second you take away all of this volatility and chaos, you just see this kind of calm, (sighs) calm, even killed person who's just, uh, just, just a total treat to talk to. And yeah. and, Mm. And it gives me so much empathy for other people. You see all these, like you see all these character traits in people that you're just like, Oh, that's, that person's awful. You know, they're, they're so, loud or angry or whatever it may be and it's you just don't realize how much someone's environment really shapes their mood and it might not be who they are at all
0: right yeah it reminds me of something i saw recently and i'm gonna butcher it a little bit um but it said trauma in a person when you don't have any context for it just looks like a personality trait and trauma in a family when you don't have any context for it looks like like um like just how the family works. (laughs) Mm I was like, whoa, that's a, that's a lot to sit with right there. And you're right. Yeah. yeah. If we live with so much chaos, I, I, you know, it, it affects us on a chemical level too. If you're, you know, constantly living on fight or flight, that's not a healthy way to live. So, Mm -mm. yeah. Okay. So third set of questions, they get a little bit more personal as we go through. Um, this next question, though, doesn't need to be about romantic relationships. It could be about poker, work, working out, board games, hobbies, anything. So finish this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. It's a tough one because yeah, the, tough. I think our like initial reaction is gen- generally to go to, like, as a romantic thing. You know, a life partner someone.
1: Yeah, and I'm um, fulfilled there. I, yeah, I am, exactly. And, and I... And I share a lot of myself, as you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, it's it's a little trickier. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I wish I had someone with whom I could share um, board games. But, (laughs) you know, I also know that part of the reason that I don't do that is because I don't have time. I have a toddler. Mm -hmm. And uh, I find it. I I really struggle now. I have a, a memory issue that's been a a problem for like 15 years and it's not getting much better. So I I really struggle to make short-term memories. uh, Sorry, long-term memories. Short-term, I'm pretty good. I can learn a piece to camera and like deliver it and be fine. But I don't remember if I saw someone you know, two days ago, sometimes I'll forget, I'll completely forget the plot of movies, I'll read books, and I'll have no idea what happened, all of that. So I kind of wish I had someone with whom I could share board games, but I don't think I'd be any good at them anymore. So there you go. That's mine.
1: I think a good one for me right now would be someone of equal, maybe slightly better skill level at the guitar who would just like want to sit around and play with me, um, you know, teach me some things, but not be like light years in front of me that would actually Uh not get bored. Um,
0: Garage Band, you could have yeah. like a, someone to jam with. That'd be yeah, awesome. I've, talk,
1: <laughs> I've talked to a couple of my my buddies about that. Starting like a dad band. Call yes. It, call, call it Dad Bod.
0: Oh, do it! That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so great. We could, you guys could play every summer at the World Series, and everybody uh, would come out, and it would just be amazing. Boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, to haters.
0: Oh boy. Okay. Um, share with me an embarrassing moment in your life.
1: Oh man, so many, so many. <laughs> oh, I have a really funny embarrassing moment. So, as a child, um, I was a fibber. I really liked ah. to tell stories to make myself uh, sound sound cool, you know, mm-hmm. and. I really got checked on my lie one time whenever I was maybe in uh, grade 10 or so. And I I was in this class, and I was telling these people about how there's this really famous driving school. And I, I wasn't even old enough to drive yet. And I told them <laughs> – I, I was in, in this class, and I was telling all these kids about how I went to this driving school over the weekend. And I was such a good driver. And the teacher was like, oh, that's really funny you say that because <laughs> – My daughter is works there and you have to Uh, be 16 years old to drive a car there and you're 15. So how did you do that? And I remember being so red faced and just like uh, being called out in front of like 25 kids. Um, So I was really embarrassed about that, but that was a great moment for me because it really made me realize, oh yeah, you need to, you need to say, say honest things here. You're going to get completely (laughs) called out for, and that doesn't feel very good. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I hate seeing people be embarrassed, but I can so see the value in it as well. Like, personally, I get the cringe factor watching other people get embarrassed. I can't even watch some TV shows, right? Like, they're for me. Me too. Really, man. Yeah. I remember growing up, I, I couldn't watch the Flintstones because it made me so angry because <laughs> he always made the most ridiculously stupid choices and didn't take care of his family and his friends. And I'd be like, I like the secondhand embarrassment of it was too much for me. <laughs> I was a sensitive child.
1: <laughs> yeah, like if I see somebody who's like way overconfident sing a song and they're not good, I, oh, I can't take it.
0: It's too much? I just
1: can't. Yeah.
0: So do you watch like the shows about like people who want to sing uh, like an X Factor kind of thing? I'm not sure if that's
1: I I don't. No. Dude. No, yeah, it's terrible. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're huge. I just uh I don't I I really um if if I'm blowing time on uh, TV anymore, it seems like just I just want to watch a documentary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like Planet Earth type of thing or Yeah, what's oh, your... I love
1: I love that, nice. but I, I've been into um I mean, there's so many great documentaries. There's like these Ken Burns documentaries on
0: mm-hmm.
1: all, the Civil War, or now he's done mm. one on country music that are just enormous. Or I'm really into the uh, the Great Wars. You know, I'm, re- I'm really into huh. that. I'm into um, – Just watched one last week, Grizzly Man by Herner Warzog, if you've ever...
0: Oh, wow. I I haven't seen it. Not that I remember, but I've I've read a lot about it. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you got (gasps) to watch that. That's a wild one. (laughs) Damn.
0: Damn. Okay. um, If you and I were to become close friends, what is one thing that I would need to know about you? Are there any deal breakers for friendship? Is there something that's just really core to you?
1: This wouldn't be a problem with you. But uh, I, if I'm going to be friends with someone, I want us both to actually listen to one another, not just sit mm. around and say words and like wait to say the next thing. <laughs> um, I would also warn them that I'm I can be really um, intense and it doesn't necessarily I think it comes off as like. Um, combative at times. And In, mm. inside, I don't feel combative at all. It just my delivery system is pretty intense. And I don't know, I haven't completely learned how to soften it up or uh-huh. figured out if I want to soften it up because it's just kind of how I am. So I, I know that i I carry a level of intensity that once you get to know me, it won't catch you off guard. But Mm-hmm. If you don't know me well, sometimes you might be like, whoa, is he, is he mad or grumpy about something? But it's just hmm. kind of the way that I deliver words.
0: You know, it's funny that you should say that because when I was getting ready to send you a message and be like, please come on my podcast, I went to the DMs for Twitter. And we actually already had a conversation going. And so I scrolled up and it's from years ago. And Uh it was at, I think it was actually in Montreal where you were playing on a show that I was hosting and you just sent me a quick DM to say uh, something like, um, I'm really sorry if I was grouchy on set and I, you know, if any of the crew uh, were upset by that and I just wanted to like reach out and say that. You know i'm i'm working really hard on being more positive about this and i think because i think it wasn't going well for you you probably were oh. spot yeah and you felt <laughs> and and i remember this moment when i read it i was like oh god yeah i remember this and it was fine but you had felt really like strongly about the need to apologize to the crew and to me because you thought you might have been too negative and it was just the nicest thing because nobody ever does that like at all so you know if you sometimes if your delivery system is quite strong I think you definitely temper it by being very careful about people's feelings even when you don't know them that well so that was something that I always really respected about you
1: it's good to hear I was at least trying to control the damage back in the day
0: oh no (laughs) I don't think there was any damage and I remember just thinking that is just incredibly nice that's really nice um yeah okay uh, another question what if anything is too serious to be joked about um
1: well there's a fine line. I feel like nowadays we're all way too offended about things, specifically humor. Um, you know, I think that comedians and entertainers should have a right to kind of pick on us all. I think that that's mm. that's fun and keeps us all in check. But at the same time, um, I, I personally feel kind of a zero tolerance uh, for things that are related to racism and um, any kind of ethnocentricities or kind mm-hmm. of, like, tribalism. I feel like we just need to purge the whole tribalism thing. And yeah. and I know that, like, where I, I came from, you know, there, everybody back there is sweet and you only know what you've been exposed to. But, like, I was surrounded by racism my whole life and didn't even realize it, you know? Right, yeah. It Straight up didn't even realize it. Um, and that was just because, you know, 90% of the people back there were white. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it was Appalachia and it's just – Um, so yeah, this whole, uh, we just need to expose one another to the right kinds of information. And I do think that having kind of a, yeah, Hey, that's not funny. You know, let's, Mm -hmm. let's not, let's not, let's not make fun of someone because they're from a different place or look different. I I, I'm on board with having kind of a zero tolerance with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that uh, like being able to say, I don't think that's funny the, that deserves as much, whatever, freedom of speech, even though people use that wrongly, um, as the joke itself does. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're going to make a joke that is at someone else's expense, people might come at you and go, yeah, I don't think that's funny, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's, I- it's okay. Like, you got to be able to suck up the consequences, too. I think some people just kind of don't want consequences so much. So they get a little offended themselves when they get called on it. And I'm like, well, no, that's not how it
1: works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, we have two more questions left. Um, Obviously, we're getting towards the end. So they're a little more on the heavy side. Uh, This one, of all the people in your family, whose death would you find the most disturbing? I'm sorry. That's a terrible question. <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah. I mean, um, that's a hardcore question. Um, yeah. I, I feel like they would all affect me in different ways. And I'm extremely, extremely, um, you know, I spend the most time with, with my wife um, mm-hmm. and my life is structured in a way um, where she has the most significant impact. And, you know, if, there was a gun held to my head and they said, who on this planet do you love the most? I would just Mm -hmm. instantly say her. Um, But there is, you know, I carry so much love for my mother and my brother and, and I'm sure that all of them would have massive impact on me. So Mm
0: -hmm. I'm
1: not exactly, I'm not exactly sure. Um, Yeah. I I would just have to default and say, you know, my world would be turned upside down if, if my wife died.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a horrible thing to think about. Um, So the last one, in the same kind of vein, if you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anybody whatsoever, even your wife, what would you most regret not having told someone, and why haven't you told them yet? Hmm. Because like you said, you're a really open guy. Is there anything that you've kind of been holding back? And you don't have to tell me what it is if you don't want to, obviously.
1: No, it's, 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 these are good questions. Um, I remember, you know, I, my re- relationship with my father was n- non-existent and, um, and I used to think, uh, there were no words that I wanted to ever share with him. And, mm-hmm. uh, last month my dad died and I was, oh no, it's okay. And, but, but the Eerily these feelings and thoughts crept through that I never thought I would deal with where I was yeah. thinking, you know, man, I, I, think I, you know, one day planned on having a conversation with him. I wasn't going to be like, Hey, you know, dad, uh, mm. welcome back into my world. But mm. I did feel this like, uh, missed opportunity almost. So this question is kind of fitting to me being mm. confused and not fully expecting, um, but let me think about this. I really do um, pride myself on every person in my life telling them how much I love them and how much I care about them. I'm pretty over the top with that, actually. I think it makes some mm. of my friends uncomfortable. You know, I'm pretty touchy-feely. <laughs> like, like Ike now knows he has to hug me every time he sees me. And, uh, you know, and I <laughs> hug him twice. And, and, you know, I'll tell him I love him. But, and I can just tell, like, for him, like, he's naturally, like, the kind of person that mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't do that kind of thing. Um, so... Uh, it's a good
0: experience uh, for people it, who don't yeah, naturally or it's, it's, fall into that.
1: And it might be weird too, you know, but that's just kind of who <laughs> I am. So if I died, I'm pretty sure most people that I'm tight with would been like, we were on a good plane. You know, we were... Mm-hmm. we were. I, I, I do my best to communicate with people. I'm kind of the person that continually stokes the fire of the people that I want in my life. I'm constantly mm. messaging them and just trying to not let those things kind of phase out. Yeah. Um, So I think if I went out, I think I would be on just a a good slate with everyone.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a good place to be. You got to be pretty proud that that's how you're living your life, right? Because it it, it takes work to live a life that you can be proud of, I think.
1: Certainly. I'm certainly very proud of the effort I make with the people that I love. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of things about myself that I'm not proud of. But that specific thing, I am very proud right.
0: of. Ah, Life is long. It's a journey. We have to have things to work on. Otherwise, <laughs> we'd just play yeah. guitar.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. This has been really enlightening. I, I appreciate you being game to come on. Um, I know it's not the usual poker interview. Uh, so yeah, thank you for doing this. I hope it was okay.
1: Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. That was cool. a great talk.
0: Well, the next time I would love to take you and your wife out for a drink, and we'll sit down and we'll go through all the other questions that are unasked, because I think it would just be a lot of fun to to kind of get to know you even better. Because I have a lot of respect for you, man. Yeah, um, a lot
1: thank of you. It's right back at you.
0: Thanks, and so thanks for coming on and talking with me. Um, thanks everybody out there for listening. I hope that you really enjoyed getting to know this remarkable person from a new angle. I'll see you next time on the Heart of Poker.